Good evening and welcome to Transatlantic History Ramblings with Lauren and Brian. I'm Lauren in very sunny Swansea and with me, as always, is... It's Brian in incredibly hot New York. And uh, if you hear something in the background there, uh, it's garbage day in in my area and they're dragging all the garbage cans out right on the window next to me, so... And I wasn't trying to quote uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 there with Garbage Day. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what's yes, going on. All right. So, how's everything with you, Ed? Everything is, you know, um, it's great. You know, I'm still, you know, miserable and, and, and kind of like anxiety-ridden and, and depressed and everything. But, Lauren, did you see the news Yes, I did. Joe Biden selected Kamala Harris as his running mate for the Democratic ticket. The first time a woman of color is on a presidential ticket in the United States. And um, 100 years from when the women got the right to vote. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. And Kamala Harris is a phenomenal, phenomenal figure. Um, brilliant woman. She was actually um, my early pick for the Democratic nomination when the campaign started. But, uh, yeah, I'm very happy about that. Uh, yes. Um, but I've already seen Trump has, has sort of had very strong words to say about... You know, it's it's going to happen. Uh, and those there's going to be a lot of attacks on her. There's going to be a lot of attacks on her being a woman. There's going to be a lot of attacks on her being a woman of color. Some of it will be... Um, quote-unquote coded hate speech some of it will be outright hate speech but uh she's a tough 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 woman and uh she'll be able to handle it and handle herself and i cannot wait for the vice presidential debate the thing is though is i just i i just don't understand why she would need to handle herself i mean it's 2020 um we we've had female we've had two female prime ministers in this country and i just don't understand why she would need to defend herself because she is doing a job which you know is any woman's right to do because in america um a certain political side are still very racist and misogynist and and i'm not saying that every Republican is that's that's ridiculous um to say that would be just just false not everybody who votes one way is that but there is a core base of people that tend to um support that side that have those views um I do have one issue with Kamala Harris being named the running mate She's not Bigfoot. Well, Bigfoot's already got you know he's the running mate for Bat Boy, so uh, but he's being snubbed. They're not even letting him in the in the uh, debate. But uh, no. that's because he couldn't fit through the door, Brian. That's true. But my my one problem with uh, Kamala Harris as the nominee is, and I, I've, I've kind of always had a crush on her, and I think it's weird that uh, I might have a crush on our vice president. That's all right. That's allowed. Uh, yeah, it's just weird, you know, because 
let's you know, I've never had a crush on a vice president before. I can see why that would be weird. Yeah. I have to say, I am very surprised that Michelle Obama didn't run. I was kind of hoping that she would. You know, I think she will eventually. um, And I think she'd make a fantastic candidate. Well, I I think it's very important that regardless of the outcome of the vote um, this year, that people, that young girls see a strong woman in a position to get into the White House. Yeah, you know, we've talked about that's... it before. Um, that one of my heroes is Shirley Chisholm. And uh, who who is buried uh, very near where I live. Uh, uh, you know, she Shirley Chisholm was a, was a just groundbreaking woman. And she was. I, I'm still trying to get someone to come on and do a show about Shirley. Because I, I would love to do a whole episode, but... I would love to do a whole episode on uh, the um, the, um, the, fe- the the female, you know, the uh, equal rights amendment, because that is just a fascinating topic, and the fact that it still isn't ratified, and the fact that women's rights in America seem to be being stolen, I, I, you know, I was um, watching a documentary about it yesterday, and I, I have to say. It broke my heart. I was in tears that that this was happening. That the, the women's right to choose about what to do with her body. It, it's it's getting like a hand. It's getting like the hands made, handmaid's tale. Well, again, you know, it's all one side that does that. Yeah, but if you could, if you could, because my absolute hero, my absolute living hero, is Gloria Steinman. If you could ever get Gloria Steinman on this show, oh, he would be podcasting god do you know speaking of gloria steinem yes um i actually have her autograph no way i do i do i just thought i'd throw that out for you that you know i'm actually very i'm actually very jealous and i actually got it um there was a product i buy a lot of um mystery products they're called um you know mostly you know the old baseball card companies and memorabilia companies sell packages called, you know, mystery boxes. You buy it, it's an 8 by 10 or a piece of memorabilia or something, but you don't know who it is. I mean, there's certain categories, like you can buy, like, you know, one that's all basketball or one that's all baseball or one that's all pop culture or one that's, all, you know, what this and that. And the one company Leaf put out, um, you got one cut signature that was slabbed and certified by anybody in pop culture. And I bought a couple of them, and one of them was Gloria Steinem. I was thrilled. The other one was Frank Capra, the filmmaker. So I was very happy with that, too. Yeah, I I buy autographs from eBay, but only if they're UACC dealers, which is our certified dealers in... Yeah, and if I know in America, buy, it's different. If you're going to buy America, the one to trust um, is PSA DNA are the ones that are considered the most trustworthy in America, just in case you're looking for American uh, authenticity. I'm, but, yeah, I love autographs. I'm just so jealous of Gloria Steinman's. That's just that's upset me now. You know, you know how much I love autographs? I know. My friend, I, know. I got I a just, friend. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Can I just be... I'm allowed to be jealous. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I have a friend. Uh, his name's Dan. And uh, me and Danny, uh, we actually met at the Boxing Hall of Fame probably 15 years ago. Um, and we see each other every year at the Hall of Fame ceremonies. And me and my brother, and then Dan and Maria and Bob. And Bob and Dan best friends they used to come together that's how we all met but we all hit it off and we all became very great fast friends and all of us are huge autograph collectors and uh this is such a horrible story but this is the mentality of an autograph collector this one time we were all sitting around having dinner and it was me and my brother and bob and dan and maria and a couple other people and we were talking about something, about relationships. It was a d- dirty conversation. It was about, you know, sex. <laughs> and I said, oh. oh I am so, so surprised that you're having this conversation yeah, after I, the whole lingam debacle. And Danny stops and says, and he's all serious. He's not even playing at all. He's like, Oh, dude, all I want to do is have sex with my wife. That's it. If I could do that 24 hours a day, I would just have sex with my... And get autographs. <laughs> he stopped himself. To say the only other thing he wants is to get autographs. That's the mentality of an autograph collector. That's the mentality of some autograph collectors. All I want to do is have sex with my wife. That's... And collect autographs. <laughs> He's from New York. That's why I did the accent. So you, you're from New York. No, he's from New York City. He's a, uh, you know, he's got the full New York accent. He's a proper New Yorker. He is. He's Ooh, a proper New Yorker. <laughs> and I want to, that's a big shout out I want to give to Bob and Dan and Maria because uh, they do listen to the show regularly. And, you know, I love you guys and I'm so sorry I didn't get to see you this year because... Hall of Fame was canceled due to COVID, but, uh, you know, we're going to see each other soon, and, uh, you know, I really do. I love and miss you guys and can't wait to see you again, but enough of me being sappy. What you got today, Lauren? Yeah. For what? Uh, for anything. I mean, we did a great show on Wojtek um, yesterday. What'd you think? I really enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. It was. I, uh, I, I just, oh, it was such a great show. He's such a great story. But, you know, tonight, oh, tonight, ooh, I didn't even tell you who our guest is tonight. This is going to be a big surprise when I bring him on. <laughs> no, you didn't, because I was recording this episode going, I don't know, I have no idea what we're recording tonight. I have no nope, idea. No, you have no idea who or what we're going to be talking about. So I say we get to uh, our days in history, and it's your turn to go first. So come on, give me a big, right from the, right from the diaphragm, give me a big guttural today in history. Today in history. Oh, that was a good one. So, my turn to go first? Yep, so your turn. Okay. So, for the 13th of August, I have 1784, British Parliament accepts East India Act 1784, bringing the East India Company's rule of India under the control of the British government. So, that was sort of the beginning of the British Empire. 
or at least the British Empire in India, because we still owned, kind of owned you guys back then, too. Kind of, yeah. Not for long, though. No. But, uh, you know... But we had you, ownership of you. <laughs> when you started saying your date, I got nervous because I thought you selected mine. Because Ooh, my today... Same year. Close. My today in history is August the 13th, 1792. Uh, uh, and you know what happened that day? I can see. Marie Antoinette was imprisoned no. by the revolutionaries. Well, if you're going to say silly things about poor people eating cake, you can't really be surprised when they want to cut your head off. Okay, first off, let them eat cake is like music to my ears. Okay. I'm like, right on, yeah, sister. But when, I'm with you. But when they... When they couldn't afford to eat, and um, they couldn't, like, they wouldn't be able to afford the ingredients to make cake, it was kind of a very poor comment, and a very, and one that really showed that the ruling classes didn't understand Lauren. their people. What? Lauren. Yes. I like cake. Okay. But if you said that to a French peasant who was starving, let them eat cake, they were going to cut your head off. Lauren? You don't care. I like chocolate cake. I have chocolate cake in the fridge. Lauren? I like birthday cake. (laughs) I like cupcakes. I pretty much like all cake except fucking carrot cake or anything with coconut on it. Why don't you like carrot cake? Carrot cake is delightful. Yeah, carrot cake sucks. And coconut's just evil. Coconut is lovely. Coconut sucks. The only thing coconut's good for is making glasses on Gilligan's Island. But you're just wrong on all cases there, Brian. (laughs) You're just trying so hard not to laugh at my Gilligan's Island joke, admit it. Yeah, I am. But you're wrong. Let me ask you a question. You know, they always ask guys, Marianne or Ginger, Marianne or Ginger. And, and, and I'm full full on board Ginger. I'm much bigger Ginger guy. But, uh, you know, there's a few sick bastards that said Mrs. Howell. But my question is, for you, is it Skipper, Gilligan, or the Professor? I don't know that much about Gilligan's Island, I have to admit. Well, you know a little bit, so who are you picking? The Skipper, the Professor, or Gillian? Which one are you hooking up with on the island? Nobody. Don't give me that nobody. And I know you're not a money grubber, so you're not going for Thurston Howell. So I'm picturing you going more for the Professor. Okay. Well, you've answered your own question there. But I wanted to hear it from you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Ginger, here all the way. And, you know, people write in, email us, let us know. Ginger or Marianne? That's a huge debate. but <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I'm all about Ginger. All about Ginger. Now, I am going to fire up the magic interview box. It's the magic interview box. Are you going to tell me who I who who this is and what they're talking about? Because I seriously don't have any knowledge of what's going on. No, you don't. And uh, you know, once the magic interview box does its trick, you'll know. And oh, is it Ansel? Yeah, no, it's not Ansel. But uh, here we go. 
And Laura and I got our guest. You still have no idea who we even, what we're even talking about tonight, do you? I know I don't. I'm really worried. Well, you shouldn't worry because I landed the biggest guest we've ever had. What sort of conversations we have on this show? It could be, it could be talking about anything. Well, it's the (laughs) It's literally the biggest guest we ever had on the show because I managed to get Pluto. Booked on the show. What? That's right. I got the planet Pluto along with Pluto's handler and ghostwriter on the show. This does mean now that the whole asking guests if Pluto is a planet can no longer go on after this. It it has to stop after this. It'll never stop. (laughs) So... Welcome to Transatlantic History Ramblings. Kathleen Field, the handler and ghostwriter for Planet Pluto, or as I should say, pro-Planet Pluto. Yes, Planet Pluto. Hi. Hi, Brian. Hi, Lauren. Hello. Good to be here. How are you? I'm doing well, and I think Pluto is doing well as well. So my first question is... How did Pluto reach out to someone from San Francisco <laughs> to be in charge of them and to tell their story? Um, because I was a new writer about five years ago, and I just decided I was, wanted to write fiction, and I was looking for story ideas. And one day, I just saw something in print that mentioned Pluto, and it just kind of hit me. And I guess that was Pluto reaching out to me in a way. Um, It just hit me that that was a fantastic story idea um, to, you know, write about what happened to Pluto. And right away, just like instantly, I thought this story needs to be told and it needs to be told from the perspective of Pluto himself. And um, I thought this will be a fun thing to write. And within like a couple minutes, I had my concept and I had my my title, The Pluto Diaries, Confessions of a Former Ninth Planet. So it just <laughs> kind of seemed, you know, meant to be. And, you know, I immediately started getting to work and kind of listening to what Pluto had to say. I mean, just looking at the history of what happened to Pluto and the science of Pluto, I think Pluto reveals his own, its own story. You know, it's just right there. So that's how it happened. And Pluto's pretty cooperative, obviously. He he answers your <laughs> texts pretty, and yeah. emails and... <laughs> yes, Pluto's pretty, pretty cooperative. And, and Pluto is really like, like a goldmine of information and inspiration i think for a writer like me and for and for everybody i think for scientists for the public um there's just so much it's the story of pluto is like i always like to say it's like a soap opera hmm. you know it's you know we starting from when you know even before when the creation of the solar system but you know when it was discovered in 1930 being discovered by an, a, a true underdog um, a person that wasn't even a professional astronomer was only 24 years old um, didn't have a college education and didn't have any hope of having one um, you know and then we got being named by a little girl an 11 year old girl 
And then we have, of course, 76 years later, we have this high, you know, the, the most high profile demotion the universe has ever seen. Um, and then we have the flyby in 2015. So this is such a dramatic story that's waiting to be told. Now, big mistake, I think, was letting the 11-year-old girl name it because if Pluto would have gotten the name Zeus like he was meant to, <laughs> No one would have taken planet status away from Zeus. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, there were so many names that were proposed uh, for Pluto, and uh, Venetia Burney was the one that got credit, although she's not the only one that proposed it. Um, and her family actually was in the, you know, the astronomy naming business. You know, she had, uh, I think, a great uncle that named the moons of Mars. Um but, yeah, there were a lot of other names that were proposed. In fact, the public wrote in and suggested many very interesting, um, kind of some, some of them even kind of odd names uh, for Pluto. And I think we got a pretty good one, though. Oh, Pluto's good. Don't get me wrong. Lauren still thinks it should have been named after, what was that, that Klingon homeworld, right? Which Kronos. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have been fine. Yeah, there also was Persephone uh, was was one that people recommended, um, and then I think you know Lowell, uh, Percival Lowell's wife Constance. I think at one point wanted it to be called Constance. Of course <laughs> so. she did. <laughs> right. I know Minerva was mentioned too, which actually was would have been a pretty cool name too. Yes, yes, Minerva. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, Pluto is a planet and his yeah. diary is now available not only brilliantly written by you but animated by you um it, it's his diary in cartoons yes yeah, so, so i'm um self-publishing my story and so it isn't out yet but it's in the works, and I've been working on it for five years. So it's, but I, you know, as a self-publisher, you you wear a lot of hats. Um, so there's a lot to be done. You got to figure out everything and do everything yourself. So, yeah, we're looking at maybe maybe 2021 20, beginning of that to maybe we'll see it. And I'm actually also working on a screenplay for it. I'm nearly done with that. Nice, nice. Any interest in it from the screenplay? Yeah. Other yeah, than for me, I, of know, course. Um, I had some interest from someone in in the film industry earlier this year um, in adapting the novel to for an animated film. And I thought, you know, this is you never know what's going to happen with these things. You really, really don't. And you can't count on them. And then all this covid craziness happened. And I thought, well, I think I need to take you know, in, into my own hands and adapt it myself and write write the screenplay myself. And so I've been doing that, um, and um, we'll see what happens with it, I guess. I think it would be great. I think people would want to see the story of Pluto on the big screen. And, you know, it's just, as I said, such a fascinating story. It's so dramatic and interesting, and, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions about what happened. And I think that it, even more than that, I think Pluto has a lot to say about us as human beings and our human experience, people really relate to Pluto. And so I think the story is about even more than, you know, what happened to Pluto, more, much more than, than a demotion. No, it, it, it is. And um, 
on your website, which is amazing. I love the website. Thank you. Um, you, you bring up some examples about it's almost word changes that affect Pluto more than anything. And that's, you know, a lot of society is dealing with that, not just with planetary status, but in general. Um, it is the human story, Pluto. Mm-hmm. See, Lauren? <laughs> I am not debating with you that Pluto isn't a planet. I just said, I just brought up what the scientists said. Yeah, I, I, I know. You'd be pleased to know we had, uh, you know, Dr. Lawrence Krauss, uh, Professor Krauss on the show. And when we asked him about it, he's on our side. Yes. Pluto's a planet. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's kind of interesting that, you know, a lot of times people will say, oh, but scientists say that it isn't a planet. Well, that's, that's actually not entirely true. It depends on which scientists you ask. And there's plenty out there that, that uh, prefer to see Pluto as a planet and really kind of wish that the International Astronomical Union, the IAU, hadn't gone ahead and kind of overstepped its its boundary and, and made that resolution. And the type of scientist, uh, like you said, I've talked to uh, different scientists, um, and cosmologists tend to say no, Phys- astrophysicists tend to say yes, and geologists tend to say, yes, it fits all the criteria of a planet. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the plan, you know, I've definitely, so I've been on, on Twitter for about three and a half years now and really just observing, (laughs) having a great time observing and being Pluto and also just um, reading everything that I can about what anybody has to say and think about Pluto. And so I've definitely seen a wide uh, variety of opinions from a wide variety of people. Um, but I, certainly I think what you're saying is true, that there there are some lines we can draw that, you know, typically planetary scientists will, will tend to look at Pluto as a planet, and um, there are reasons for that. Um, you know, when planet, you know, what do planetary scientists do? They're looking at individual bodies. They're interested in geology, as you said, Brian, and, you know, atmospheres and, um you know, things like that. And so when we look at Pluto, Pluto looks like a planet. And in those ways, it acts like a planet. So it makes sense for them to view Pluto that way. They're not interested so much in the orbital properties, the orbital dynamics of bodies, whereas other kinds of astronomers might might be. But the the IAU definition is focused on orbital dynamics, but that really isn't the priority of a planetary scientist usually. And it's amazing that uh, you really did your research on this project. Oh, I did. You have become so... um, I I feel bad because I keep searching for the right words, and you're a linguist. (laughs) Yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> so, I can't believe you even agreed to come on this show, because you discovered our show, and, uh, through Twitter. Because you we, were talking about Pluto, that's yeah. how I discovered it. And, uh, I can't believe after hearing us, and hearing, while that Brian's obnoxious, you still agreed to go on. <laughs> you, you don't come across as obnoxious at all, Brian. 
No, just some of the people have written in that I am. <laughs> yes. We've had emails explaining how people find Brian obnoxious. <laughs> well, you're you're all right with me. It, you totally um, immersed yourself in it. And you learned the scientific study, the scientific theory, the history. Yeah. Uh, you've become... You become a total Pluto expert. I mean, being friends with Pluto helps, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the way I look at it is I had to kind of become Pluto in a sense in order to um, write the story the way that I wanted to write it. Um, you know, when I first started it, I thought, oh, well, I'm definitely going to have to do some research here. You know, I started by doing a free write just to kind of see, you know, whether I could do it with no information. And I, you know, and I had ideas and it was working fine. And I realized, okay, I'm going to have to go learn something. I don't think I realized how much I was going to have to learn. But it's been such a pleasure to find out everything about Pluto. I mean, it's just such an awesome planet. And, you know, essentially becoming the planet was the way that I could, um, you know, just know everything that I could and kind of think about what would Pluto say to people? How would Pluto relate to life? Because I, I think that um, that's one of the things people are interested in with Pluto, you know, just being on Twitter and listening, really, really reading and listening to what people are interested in. A lot of people just kind of relate to Pluto. And in fact, they relate to, to space in this way, trying to connect it to the human experience. So in becoming Pluto, it was like I, I learned how, um, how, what would Pluto think about all these things and how would he relate to, to our life as a, you know, as a person. And it's not just Pluto. I mean, the, some of the other characters are amazing. I, just going through the website and learning about it, I, I, uh, I'm kind of drawn to Neptune a little bit. And I, don't, <laughs> I know I shouldn't be. <laughs> the villain, the villain yeah. Neptune. Neptune's the villain. And I'm, yeah, I'm a little drawn to, vil uh, to villains. And by nature, you know, it grows up. Being a horror fan growing up, it happens. Uh, kind of like... To Lauren and most of the other people listening, explain who some of the main characters are in this um, in this story because it so humanizes everything and it's so much fun. Yeah, I mean, so the story is told uh, from the perspective of Pluto, so it's a first-person account. But there's um, just you know, there's so there's so many characters because there's a lot of planets and there's a lot of dwarf planets, um, and so. Neptune is certainly one of them. Neptune is a planet club member. Um, and, you know, Pluto's kind of the, the oddball there. Um, and so I think that he gets picked on a little bit, but they're all kind of planets. They all kind of, you know, there, there's a lot of differences already in the planet club, right? So the, the terrestrial planets, you know, Earth, Mars, Mercury, Venus are really quite different already from the gas giants or the, the ice giants, the Neptune, Uranus, uh, Jupiter, Saturn. So there's some kind of, you know, a little bit of friction there between those two different groups because they have a hard time understanding each other. You know, what? how can a terrestrial planet understand a planet that has no solid surface to land on? How can a gas giant understand um, something that, you know, is is got mountains and volcanoes and isn't this sort of gassy swirls that so there's there's that kind of thing going on in the planet club and 
Pluto's kind of the odd odd one out. Um, that you know, Mercury is 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 the small next smallest, and so of course he loves it that that Pluto is smaller than him. Um, and you know, Neptune has this kind of friction with Pluto too because they are next door neighbors. And Pluto actually, you know, in a sense, crosses over uh, into Neptune's area uh, for about a 20-year period every 248 years, which is how long a Pluto year is. And so you can imagine that that there is some some friction there. Um, and Neptune has kind of forced Pluto into this um, uh, 3-2 resonance, we call it, um, with him. And so um, their orbits are timed so that they'll never collide. But Pluto has to kind of tiptoe, you know, through Neptune's territory to get on his way around the sun. So those are some of the characters. And then, of course, there are, you know, the, those are the members of the Planet Club. But there's also, um, you know, the dwarf planets, Maki Make and um, Haumea and Eris and some of the unofficial dwarf planets that are out there. I envision this animated film to be uh, very much like The Point. Um, do you remember that, the um, Harry Nilsson musical animated film? I don't know that one. I'm going to have to look that one you up. should. It's called yeah. the, the Point. Um, okay. It's all based around music by Harry Nilsson. Uh, it's all songs performed by him. And um, I think one of the versions, because there was a UK version, an American version, Ringo Starr narrates one of them. But I just kind of picture it looking this way. I don't know why, but uh, I, yeah, Neptune. I, Lauren, why do I, why do I feel drawn to Neptune? <laughs> you like villains. I mean, he was king of the sea. No, it's because Neptune comes across as a grumpy old man, and 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 Brian sometimes can be a grumpy old man. <laughs> Do you, do you also like to fling objects away as far as you can out into no man's land sometimes? Well, I do, and I'm glad you finished that sentence because I thought you were going to say, do you like to fling your poo like a monkey in the zoo? Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which, no, no right, I don't but... like to do that. Some people no. might say I do, but. <laughs> well, I mean, Neptune is, you know, has, is responsible for putting a lot of these these little planets in the third zone into the weird, you know, um, elongated orbits, the tilted orbits that they're in. Um, he is also responsible for, you know, supposedly capturing Triton. The moon, his one of his moons, Triton, is um, looks like it was probably a, a former member of the of the Kuiper Belt where Pluto resides. So he does, you know, villainy, villainous <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, why doesn't Jupiter keep him in line? Um yeah, well Jupiter is busy doing a lot of that himself, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Tossing asteroids over at Earth. <laughs> Um, but, you know, of course, Jupiter is also the gatekeeper, so he also keeps Earth safe to some degree, too. Oh, I love it. I just love everything about this project. Well, I, you know, I hope that I can get some interest in the animated film. I think it would do well. The, the, the discussions that I had earlier with, with someone from the film industry was that it would be like, I guess, like inside out a little bit. 
Um, so I'm, I'm trying to envision that a little bit, but I've been working on the screenplay and you know, screenplays are very different from, from novels. So you've got to kind of work out, you know, what the differences are and they kind of take on a life of their own. But I, yeah, I think, I think that, um, I think people would love to see the story of Pluto and I, I hope that I can put my own kind of spin on it for them. Well, what a, you know, you've, like you said, been on social media for over three years with it. Yeah. How has the reception been? I mean, I, social media is so notoriously negative <laughs> with trolls. But, yeah. you know, what's the reaction been? I mean, have you gotten um, pushback from, and I don't want, the, I don't mean the trolls, the people who just want to be assholes just for the sake of being assholes. And there's so many of them on social media. But, yeah. like, from, you know, scientists or science students, Mm-hmm. that have wanted to push back, positive or negative? Um, I think the the reaction has been mostly positive, um, and I've, I've been very happy to see that. I mean, I also don't um, engage, you know, in negative conversations with people. I I, I look at my, my role there as being um, an entertainer, partly, and um, an informer also, and just kind of like a... A, a place to be to just delight in in all things Pluto and and space in general too. And I'm not there to to talk about politics or bring up other things. And you know, I just want to be a place where where people in can enjoy just you know the the wonderful awesome things about Pluto. Um, so I think that 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 helps. Um, but you know, I the, you know, there certainly have have been some people that disagree, and and that's that's always fine with me too. Um, I think that disagreements in science are healthy, and um, I just don't have a problem with that. Sometimes people have tried to argue with me, um, but mostly people um, are very positive. They seem to really love Pluto. Um, scientists seem to a lot of them, I think, enjoy kind of the the this this approach to Pluto it's different from what they do I guess in their uh, you know in their everyday life but it is I hope an approach that really um, just like you know delights in Pluto and um, just tries to to make space fun do you um when you get some of those like people that want to argue with you yeah do you ever stop and just not write but think, it's the Pluto Diaries, you idiot. <laughs> it's obviously entertainment. <laughs> We're having fun here. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I try to do a balance of everything. I, I, I feel like people want to be there to learn about space, so I need to have that information, and, and I do, and I love sharing that. Um, I feel like people want to be somewhat entertained, and I'm sort of trying to appeal to a lot of diverse people, and you'd be surprised the people that that believe Pluto is a planet. They just cut across all backgrounds, uh, people in science, people not in science, just, you know, old, young, uh, just, you know, all kinds of philosophies and, and ways of thinking. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to be informative, I'm trying to be entertaining, and to some degree I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be inspiring, I guess, because I think Pluto is, is inspiring, and I think people 
want to be inspired by space and what it can say about about human beings. I mean, and it's also the underdog story, and everybody yeah. loves the underdog story. Yes. Yeah, and that's what that's all. That's what this is. It's really, yeah. The, everything about it is an underdog story. It's you know, Kwai Tomba, as I said, um, you know, he was a a twenty four year old farmer from you know in Kansas, and he his family was so poor he couldn't even go to college. And but he you know was very enterprising, and he was building his own telescopes and sending drawings in to the Lowell Observatory, and that's how he got hired. And, you know, within a year or so, he's he's finding Pluto. So that was such an underdog in in Pluto's discoverer. And then, you know, as we talked about, Venetia Burney, this little, this little 11-year-old girl gets to name Pluto. And then we have, you know, shortly after the discovery, it starts to become more known that Pluto probably isn't this large object that that maybe we thought it was and and so for a lot of that 76 year period Pluto is the underdog it's the planet that doesn't quite seem to match the others we don't really know very much about it it's mysterious but it doesn't seem like it matches the others and then of course with the when 2006 August 24th you can use that as your on this date <laughs> uh, thing um, you know then we have the uh, you know the this big this big demotion if you want to call it that so the whole thing is just underdog story and then of course when new horizons flies by in in uh, 2015 we see wow this this little planet is not dead it's not this just frozen ball of ice that we thought that maybe it it could be it's this uh, this very alive very beautiful very diverse a planet that looks in many ways like Earth and in some ways very different. Um, and so it's just, you know, the whole story is this um, story of rising above, you know, being an underdog. Well, that's the, it's so allegorical, and that's why it would work so well as an animated film. And, you know, it's not only the underdog, but it's the outsider. Um, yeah. Even when you look at the... Um, diagrams that we had i mean i'm me i'm older than than everybody in the room because i'm the grumpy old man as lauren would say um the diagrams in school that we had with the nine planets in the solar system you know yeah. pluto looked like it was stuck out on another leg on another ledge completely yeah. outside <laughs> of everybody else right and i think you know people like myself who were always a bit of an outsider we had that kinship with pluto <laughs> and you know, that's what makes, will make an animated movie, uh, will make the diary so wonderful, because it is allegorical, and and it's happy. <laughs> it's just happy to talk about Pluto. It is. It is. And, you know, sometimes, I don't, you, you've probably seen, like, there's this gif, that gif, gif, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> you know, that goes around where, um um, there's like a little cartoon Pluto and then the New Horizons comes by and have you seen this one, Brian? I have. Or Lauren? Okay, yeah. So the 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 planet's eyes, you know, light up with excitement and 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 the New Horizon just flies on by because that's what it's designed to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, Pluto break you know, starts crying and his heart breaks 
because he's so sad that he doesn't get to have this company stay around. So there, um, although you know Pluto's a very happy thing in many in many ways, I think a lot of people associate it with with sadness too. Um, that you know this is we're firing him from the Planet Club. We're we're you know breaking his his hopes by by just flying by and not staying. Um, but I think that that there really is no sadness with Pluto at all. I think that the demotion um, in 2006 is not the biggest thing that we have to say about Pluto. It's important. I'll continue to talk about it. It's it's on everybody's minds. But, you know, it's the flyby that's really the big deal. And what the flyby showed us is something absolutely astounding that that there's this wonderful, awesome little planet out there that, you know, beats all the cosmic odds. And this is a, you know, a wonderful, you know, triumphant kind of thing. And he's real. Yes. He is a planet. Yes. Now, I, yeah. And um, people, you got to go to this website, which is just the plutodiaries.com, correct? Right, right. Yeah, the plutodiaries.com. Yes. And I'm going to put a link to it in there because... There's um, a lot of fun facts. Some of the, uh, you know, some of the panels from the book. Uh, you get to introduce all the characters. There's some wonderful quotes <laughs> from Pluto. Yeah. yeah, he's a wise little fella. I think so. I think somebody who's been around for 4.6 billion years has been through a lot, and as probably has some perspective on on life at this point and. I think, you know, we can all kind of um, testify to the fact that when you have something bad happen to you, um, a lot of times, eventually, it will make you wiser and, and see things in a different way. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I found so fascinating about Pluto and that I have used in the story um, is this idea, do you know about the, the formation of, of Pluto's heart, Brian? Or Lauren? I, I do not. So Pluto's heart, um, it's called uh, Tombaugh Radio, named after Clyde Tombaugh. Um, and there, the left side of it, that's Sputnik Planitia, the left lobe of that heart is actually a uh, giant, um, it's a basin. So it was. it's an impact crater, essentially. And so the, the thought is that um, you know, really a, lo a long, long, long time ago, a giant object um, slammed into Pluto um, and created this absolutely huge hole. So the, the heart itself is about, I think, a thousand miles wide. And the, just that Sputnik Planitia, that lobe that was created by the impact, I think is about maybe 600 miles. Um, so this is a really big, giant hole. Um, and over time, th that hole filled in with with ice, with what we call, you know, people say soft, exotic ices. I love that term, exotic <laughs> ices. <laughs> right? um, and so that would be nitrogen mostly uh, in that air particular area of Pluto, but also some, um, some methane. Um, and so over time, this soft kind of goopy toothpaste kind of, consistency ice filled this giant hole in 
until it became a, a plane, like a, an ice plane. Um, and it doesn't look like a hole anymore. Um, and I, I think that that is actually really profound. <laughs> it's just, it's profound that something that, you know, a, a blow could hit some somebody and then kind of transform into this um, beautiful feature on this planet. And it's really, you know, it's it's the the center of the planet. It regulates the atmosphere. It's really alive. There are no craters in that left side of the heart because there's still heat down below the surface that's churning this very very slowly this ice and erasing all of the craters and things like that. So, you know, what a profound statement. Not only you know for this this little body, this, this planet, that, that that can happen out there in the third zone, the icy, frigid third zone. But for, for humans, thinking about our own kind of experience and how we have these massive blows in our lives, um, these holes that, you know, eventually can be filled and become something wonderful and beautiful. Which, it, it, it's, I, I love it. I, like I said, I love everything about this. <laughs> and... Please promise us you will come back on when the book comes out, um, when you have big news from Hollywood. <laughs> right. I, oh, I definitely will. I definitely will. Yeah, it's it, it's exciting. I, I never really get tired of talking about Pluto. You know, it's been five years, longer than I thought it would take to, to work on something like this. But I'm very glad, in a way, that it's been this long, because there's just endless um, inspiration from Pluto and... I think really just endless things you can do with it. I mean, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's a novel. I think, I believe that it is an animated film and I, and I think it can be other things too. And um, it's just, you know, I, ne- I never tired of, of talking about it. And when we get the hashtag pro planet Pluto shirts up and running, we're going to have to send you one too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of good ones. I the, the one of my pet peeves is that a lot of times. Yeah, these, when are you gonna get this going, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, a lot of the shirts that I see out there are don't have the real picture of Pluto on it. <laughs> have you seen those? I have. Yeah, like they're you know it's like you didn't bother to update that we sent a probe out there you know three billion miles and you know nine and a half years it took and and you gotta update your t-shirt. I I would love to have like the actual Pluto on the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but I also just like the plain hashtag Pro Planet Pluto. Yeah. Yeah. It's- well, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways that people are pro-planet Pluto, I guess. You know, I mean, th- there's different opinions about that. Some people don't like the word, the term dwarf planet at all. They just, they don't like it. Um, and then there are people like like me who, you know, um, I think that the term is fine as long as, as long as it means a type of planet. You know, like if, if a dwarf planet is a small type of planet, then, you know, then we're in business, then we're fine. Then, then we've got Pluto included under this umbrella of planet and all the dwarf planets can be planets too. 
Um, but if dwarf planet is defined the way that the IAU defined it in 2006, then we have you know, this strange kind of situation that's confusing to many people where we have a dwarf planet that's something completely separate from a, a, the classical planets. It's not a planet at all, and yet we still, for some reason, call it a dwarf planet. So there's kind of different <laughs> different feelings about um, what, you know, what exactly people want to have happen with Pluto. Um, but... Um, yeah, for, I'm okay with dwarf planet as long as it's a type of planet, although usually I will just say planet. I, I wonder if people are offended by the term dwarf planet because they're trying to be too social justice warrior-like and find it insulting to dwarves to call it a dwarf planet. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of, you know, I, like I said, I read all the time on Twitter what people think about stuff and the jokes they make and the associations with current events that they make with Pluto. That's how I find out most of my news these days. <laughs> I just, I just all of my news Pluto. comes through Pluto. It does. It, it seriously does. You'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, you would be surprised. I found out the other day about some politician in Canada who I guess was um, a former astronaut or something, and she, I guess, you know, people were accusing her of, of maybe being somewhat abusive, and she apparently would force her employees to uh, recite the order of the planets or, or something. Wait a and second. It, Wait a second. My teachers used to make me do that. I don't think it was abusive. <laughs> Um, maybe not in a board meeting or something that might be a little bit different. Um, yeah, I, you know, and so, you know, and I found out about that just because I saw people saying, well, but I mean, the real question is, does she consider Pluto a planet? Would it be wrong if somebody, would she hit them over the hand with a stick if, if they said they included Pluto in that lineup? Um, but see, it's just so funny to me that that is how I, I learn a lot of things these days is just from reading what other people associate with with Pluto, current events, just 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 anything. You know, Pl Pluto should actually just stop and say, "Hey, at least my name's not your anus." <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's a big thing too. I cannot tell you how many Uranus jokes I see <laughs> on a daily basis, and um, I. I actually still laugh. <laughs> I'm not, I, I haven't gotten grown tired of any of the jokes. I mean, I see an awful lot of, you know, Pluto the dogs on there and Uranus jokes, and they're still funny. I still enjoy them. <laughs> I like it when uh, when Physics Dave will be on, and he'll, he'll because he knows I'll make the immature Uranus joke. So it becomes Uranus, at which point I'm just going to make an immature urine joke. Because yeah, right. Well, yeah, I've always It's unavoidable. Just, I don't think there's no way to really pronounce it that really, that really gets rid of the problem. Either, either you say urine or, you know, the other way, and it's just, it reminds people of things. It's unfortunate. And I actually, I think I have that in my, my story. I, I think that that kind of works with this idea of Pluto because, you know, really names do matter. Um, you know, so I, had, I heard you talking about, you know, the Shakespearean quote, um, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, right? With um, Lawrence Krauss, and mm -hmm. and, cer and certainly it's true that it doesn't matter in some broad sense. It's not going to be, you know, people are not going to stop working on astronomy because Pluto has been named not a planet by the IAU. So certainly it doesn't matter in that sense. But 
does it matter? I would say, yeah. I mean, and Uranus is a perfect example of, of why it matters. You know, people, you know, you can't even keep a straight face. You can't have a conversation about Uranus without somebody making a joke. <laughs> and so in the same way, I think that the way that we talk about Pluto and what term we use, the name we give Pluto as a category, it matters. And I think we should do a revote right now. And if we have to kick a planet out, I, I say Venus goes because it's useless. <laughs> what about Mercury? You know, Mercury's always been kind of suspicious. Yeah, Mercury's got to be there just to kind of like, you know, be like, oh, look at me. I'm the closest to the sun. Venus, <laughs> useless. The only good thing about Venus is Venus flytrap from WKRP. Um, but oh, was, yeah. Oh, right. Uh, well, and you can make Ryan. jokes about Venus. Venus rhymes with... Yes, yes. Well, but, but Brian, there could someday be floating cities in the clouds of Venus. What about then? Yeah, they did that in Star Wars. I'm not impressed. <laughs> Venus gone. Pluto in. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think, you know, Mercury had better watch out. Venus maybe too, because, you know, not only, you know, of course, Mercury is very dense. But and that's a big, you know, significant difference. But it's, you know, the diameter is not so not so large. It's also got some other things going on. Both Venus and Mercury don't have any moons, you know, um, you know, and certainly that's not a criterion for for being a planet. But in many people's minds, I think I think it kind of kind of doesn't look good on their their resume. And then you know, sort of the lack of atmosphere for Mercury as well. I'm telling you, I'm breaking it down now. Mercury stays because it's closest to the sun, and, you know, we kind of feel bad for it. Earth, I, I, there's an obvious reason that's staying. Mars, got <laughs> a sure? war. So, yeah. Some people are willing, I've seen people on Twitter, willing to, to knock Earth out in favor of Pluto. No, I'll keep Earth. Because uh, okay. someone's got to fight for Pluto. Yeah, when there is chocolate and pizza. Oh, and absolutely. Chocolate and pizza make Earth worthwhile. <laughs> Lauren? Well, the thing is, is I think it should be Mars that gets knocked at war. No, 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 no. No, Mars, well, is, Mars is the god of war. I was gonna, I'm telling you. Um, no, I think Mars should go because, you know, that caused all the problems in War of the Worlds. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you've got a point there, Lauren. Yep, for sure. Jupiter stays because it's a monster. <laughs> Saturn yeah, well, stays because it's... You know, you don't want to make Jupiter angry. <laughs> no, Saturn stays because it's the hula hoop champion of the world. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, Uranus gets to stay because of the Brian. jokes. Yeah, Uranus is around for the jokes, right? Neptune, king of the sea. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, well, he also has, you know, that, you know, winds that break the sound barrier kind of thing going on. Yeah, so if you look at it, Venus has got to go. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, okay, you let her know. I am going to get, I'm going to make a Maury Povich meme that just says, Venus, you are not the planet. <laughs> oh, no, you really are on you. She's got her own problems, though, you know, she's choking in this toxic, these toxic clouds, and, you know, what else can she have happen to her? She's all her water dried up, and, you know. Yeah, she's it's done. terrible. She's got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, that's so mean. Well, look at how they treat Pluto. 
Yeah, but the thing is, is shouldn't we shouldn't we be um, showing tolerance and just saying, "Come back in, Pluto. We were wrong." Ideally, Instead of trying to kick another planet out. Ideally, but you know, if people don't want the nine; they only want the eight. Yeah, well, and if you get Pluto in, I would say that you would also, you know, for consistency purposes, you would want to include the other dwarf planets, too. I think the dwarf planets should all get together and come in together as, like, like the Warriors. Remember that movie from the 70s with the street gangs? <laughs> I got dating myself, aren't I? Um, Walter Hill movie. It's wonderful. Uh, um but if they all came in together, who's going to stop them? Yeah, right. Well, and there's, you know, there's potentially hundreds of these things. And you know, there's only five official dwarf planets because the International Astronomical Union has not gotten with the program and it, you know, welcomed some of these in that are, you know, pretty sure candidates that they are big enough and, and round to be included. Yeah, that's why um, they wanted to make me a planet. <laughs> Oh no. oh, no. Yeah, well, you know, I think you're right, though. If there were hundreds of them getting together, they could probably break through the gates of the Planet Club. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, yeah. Just like in the Warriors, yeah. one gang could rule this city. <laughs> All the gangs come together? Yeah. Of course, it didn't work out in the movie, so maybe we shouldn't have that happen. Huh. You do say we shouldn't. It's a great movie. Everyone listening, you should go and watch The Warriors. Um, Lauren, do you have anything to, to add? Because I know you've been rolling your eyes at me a lot this episode. Um, I don't have any questions, but I just want to say it's a fantastic project, and I can't wait to introduce my nephews to it. They're going to love it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I Yeah, I think that they will. I think it kind of cuts through all different, like I said, different types of people and age groups, and everyone seems to love Pluto for good reason, you know? Yeah, and we are going to promote the hell out of this book and this project because it's something very near and dear to my heart. And like we've said, you, you, you kind of have the same attitude we do, and we love that, that <laughs> education should be entertaining as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, we do this show because, you know, we'll talk about some very serious topics, any point in history we want to, but, you know, you can't be stuffy and boring or people just aren't going to care. Add entertainment in with education. Right. And I think, you know, it just never would occur to me to be stuffy and boring because Pluto is not stuffy and boring. You know what I mean? It's just. Uh, you know, it's just full of life, and there's this built-in humor and inspiration there that, you know, it's, it, there's no way Pluto could be boring and stuffing, stuffy. No, no, Pluto is, Pluto is, is also a welcome guest anytime on this show. Pluto has a home here. <laughs> That's good. I will let him know. And, uh, yeah, don't suggest the, the Warriors thing to him because, you know, it didn't work out so well in the film. Oh, okay. <laughs> Although the Warriors do survive to the end, so. Well, he may have seen it. You know, he's definitely oh, sure he than you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's been around a while. Yeah. <laughs> 1.6 billion years, give or take a few hundred million. And Lauren thinks I'm a grumpy old man. Yeah, I do. <laughs> She's laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> 
we will let you go because I know being in San Francisco, even in COVID, there's a lot more to do than there is in Buffalo. Yeah. How is yeah. how is it there in Frisco, by the way? Um, with the COVID stuff? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> you know, my children are about to start school um, oh. again, and so that's going to be, you know, a homeschooling situation. I, I don't know what it is like. I don't know how many, is it, are kids going back to school where you are? Or? You know, New York State just allowed all schools to open. Um, really? But okay. parents are given the choice whether they want them to stay home, do online classes, or go in. And uh, thankfully, my brother said, no way in hell is my niece going in. Well, he yeah. said, no way in hell is my daughter going in, because it'd be weird if my brother said, no way my niece is going in. <laughs> but, um... <clears throat> Yeah, how old are your kids? What grades? Um, I have a, a 13-year-old and a 9-year-old. So Okay, so the 13-year-old's restless. Yeah, yes. Well, they I mean they both are. I mean, this has been, you know, since March 15th or so is when when we started doing the homeschooling and um yeah, it's it's hard for them. They don't get out. They you know, all their play dates are through Zoom calls and um you know, I have been educating one of them a lot so that's it's you know it's a lot for everybody i think it's hard well we'll tell you right now if you want like a substitute history teacher <laughs> lauren or myself i'm sure i'm gonna volunteer lauren again but we would be more than happy to do a history <laughs> lesson and lauren has been asked to read uh, you know bedtime stories for people so if they want <laughs> bedtime stories read to them in the sweet welsh accent Yes, and she has a you, Lauren. You do have a a, a calm, um, relaxing voice. I would say peaceful voice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll have to. I'll keep that in mind about the history lessons for sure. We'll be we'll be nice and clean. We won't do a. We, we won't be our <laughs> naughty the show. The stuff sense. with Rasputin that I heard. <laughs> oh, did you like the Rasputin one? I did. I in fact, I I'm. I'm going to go and have to go and, and read about Rasputin now. So now you've just made, you know, a few my screenplay uh, take a few days longer now because now I'm going to have to go and, and read more about him. And tell me you weren't wondering about the Ding Ding too. Um, I was not aware of this. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, that had never been on, yeah, never heard anything about that. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, several right, that museums was just claimed to that have it. That was just you. <laughs> You know, we had Allison Weir on, the um, legendary Allison Weir, <laughs> who's the, you know, fifth best-selling author in the history of England and mm-hmm. you know, one of the most respected people in the world and the world's leading expert on the Tudors. And, of course, Brian asks, is it true Anne Boleyn had three boobs? Oh, oh I've never heard that. And I did a report on <laughs> Anne Boleyn in fourth grade. <laughs> never heard that. Well, spoiler alert, she's, she didn't. No, she's so terrible. She's also pro planet Pluto as well. Yeah, yeah, she is pro planet Pluto, by the way. Ah, but Anne well. Boleyn, she, didn't. <laughs> she just got a whole lot more credible, didn't she? She did. Oh <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. And if you, at any point, want to come on and talk about Pluto or anything else or promote, mm-hmm. you are more than welcome to come on. Oh um, yeah. And again, thank you so much. We'll yeah. teach history to the kids. We'll uh, any topic we're good with. 
<laughs> Thank you so much, Brian and Lauren. Um, you know, what a pleasure it's been um, to chat with about Pluto with you. I would love to come back and I had a great time. So did we. Stay in touch and we you. will talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks. Good night. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, how about that, Lauren? Did I not tell you there was the biggest guest ever? Pluto. You did. And we before we go, and I know we have to go, I just want to say a big shout out to Michelle Malcolm, who is one of our number one fans for um inspiring the post that set this all into motion. Yes. Um you you put us in touch with Pluto and you know we're thankful and not only one of our, our our greatest fans, um, I'd love to get her on the show because she is the ultimate podcast fan. And she listens she to is. a lot of shows and can break down what makes a podcast good, what makes a podcast bad. And she's wonderful. Not And super fan and very pro-planet Pluto. She is. And she's so kind and generous as well. I've known her for about, uh, we've never met because she lives in Ohio. But um, we met through uh, chat rooms and everything um, about um, about 15 years ago. Yeah, apparently her and I do not live that far from each other, I found out. so No, she did No, you don't. What we'll do is uh, we'll eventually have um, maybe a transatlantic history ramblings reunion and we'll have, you know, Local fans get together that live on, in the States. Maybe we'll all get together with them. And will you get together with ones in the UK and we'll do like a, like a live broadcast. <laughs> a transatlantic history party. Oh, God. The great thing is, is I get to hang with Michelle. You're stuck with Neil. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Who are we going to get to be the MC? <laughs> Captain Liam. <laughs> oh, but how amazing was Kathleen Field? Um, that, she was very amazing. And that so book, lovely to speak with her. Oh, that book again. Uh, folks, you got to look into this book. Uh, I just can't wait to show my nephews. I'm really enthusiastic to showing them. They're going to love it. Yeah, and the book is going to be called, like she said, it's going to be coming out um, very soon. But the website, you can read all about it and check it out. Uh, the Pluto Diaries, Confessions of a Former Ninth Planet. And it's a novel in cartoons. And it's absolutely adorable and wonderful. And she wrote it and animated it. And uh, she describes it, and I love the description, is it's the Pluto Diaries is science fiction meets historical fiction meets Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Yeah, they love Diary of a Wimpy Kid. So I think they'll love this. I think they'll love this more than Diary of a Wimpy Kid, though. Yeah. Because it's... It's just so funny. It is, and and it's absolutely adorable, and I, I love it. But you're right; we do have to wrap it up because it's a little late for you. Clear, Clear's going to claw your face off. Oh, uh, she's already been clawing mm-hmm. at me, but that's okay because <laughs> she understands we're talking Pluto, so she's good with it. Lauren, two down and Nobody's... two to go. Yes, and um, by the time this one airs, they will everybody would have heard our. Um, wonderful VJ Day um, episode. You are going to love that episode, folks. And um, our marathon week of shows is halfway done. Lauren, how are you feeling? You holding up? You feeling good still? Yes, I'm feeling good. 
So, you still got um, enough energy in you? Like, we could do, like, a Rocky training montage scene? Are you getting ready? <laughs> With Pluto in the middle. Absolutely. <laughs> you're going to have to get you're going to have to get working on those t-shirts, Brian. I, I found a place that will do them. And um, hopefully we'll be able to get those posted soon. And if people want to buy them, they'll be able to buy them. They'll probably be $20 a, a shirt. Or I'm hoping to get them for less. But, uh, yeah, hashtag ProPlanetPluto, you know, maybe some other shirts. But for now, we're going to sign off because tomorrow is another, another fun show. Recording day. It is, and it's going to be a fun one. And, and Lauren, I like, I like cake. Yeah? I like cake. I know you like cake. <laughs> I just wanted to say that again. I know you do. I know. All right, so... I had cake today. Oh, I didn't. Chocolate cake. I love chocolate cake. Uh, Yeah, I had chocolate cake. Well, from the wonderful planet Pluto, the ninth planet in our solar system, and Kathleen, who is in San Francisco, California, USA, and myself in Buffalo, New York, USA... And with me, as always, the cake fiend. Lauren from Swansea. I regret nothing. Good night. Good night. Well, if you're going to say silly things about poor people eating cake, you can't really be surprised when they want to cut your head off.